I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter. I haven't had a whole lot of time this week. I just got home from another business trip on Thursday evening, so, and my family took me out for dinner. Last night, all of us were finally together in one place at one time, so we decided to go out for dinner, so I didn't have last night either. Um, But because of all that, I'm going to do a topic this week with which I'm, oh, shall we say, excruciatingly familiar, and that's UFOs. So welcome to episode 21, in which we get spacey. For those of you who may be new to the lingo, UFO stands for unfinished objects, or some people I've heard them called unfinished fabric objects. So today's episode is going to be all about dealing with your UFOs, why to deal with them, how to decide which ones to deal with, how to motivate yourself to deal with them, and what to do when you just don't want to deal with them at all. First though, a couple of reminders, a few listener comments, and a brief Sandy update. The reminders is the main one being the deadline for the Summer Creativity Challenge approacheth uh, Monday night. That's only two days from now as of this recording, Monday night at midnight. I hope to have all your photos so that you can get your name entered in the drawing. And if you're a new listener and haven't heard of the Summer Creativity Challenge yet, I'd encourage you to go to the website for this podcast, and that's www.quiltingfortherestofus.com, and you will see across the tabs at the top of that page... um, one that's labeled Summer Creativity Challenge or just Creativity Challenge. And it has the information and and, um, the photo that the challenge is based on and so forth. And you'll get a feel uh, for what the Creativity Challenge is. Now, I don't expect you to look at that um, photo this weekend and be able to meet the deadline unless you are seriously motivated, in which case, applause, applause. Um, But in any case, if you're curious, you might want to just check it out, because this will not be the last one I do. Uh, I enjoy doing these. Everybody else seems to enjoy doing these, although I I may not always do a creativity challenge the same way. We might see some other challenges coming down the line. I have received my first two entries in the Summer Creativity Challenge from Jill and Jacqueline this week, so everybody else, you'd better get on the stick. And don't forget, when you send me the pictures, include some thoughts about your process in the email, too, because I really enjoy reading that. Um, So far, I've heard about granddaughters and wonky bindings, so I can't wait to hear what's going on with the rest of you. I do have to confess, however, um, the last time we did the creativity challenge, I had myself stick to the deadline. I did the same thing that everybody else was doing, even though I did not enter my name in my own drawing. Unfortunately, this time, because of what August ended up being in my life, I had to finally release myself from the summer creativity challenge. I'm not going to get anything done for it. I have all the fabrics. I have the design that I was going to do on EQ. Um, I do still plan to do it at some time because it was really cool what I had in my head. <laughs> and I, I do want to do it. Like I said, I bought the fabric. Got to do it now. Um, I'm just not going to get it done by Monday. So rather than trying to change the deadline and all that kind of thing, um, I'm going to stick with the deadline. I'm still going to really appreciate receiving all of your creativity challenge uh, responses, but I'm not going to have one of my own this time, which I'm 
disappointed, but you know, life is what it is. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. So um, anyway, send those to me. Um, you can email your pictures to me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z, all one word. Or you can post them to your blog and just send them me the link, or you can post them to the Flickr group and just let me know they're there. However you want to get your responses to me is fine. I'm game. And again, by midnight on Monday, I that would be, um, well, I would say midnight Eastern time, but it's not like I'm going to be up at three o'clock in the morning checking on your West Coast entries. So as long as they're in my box by the time I first check my email on Tuesday morning, we're good. Uh, okay, another reminder. Yes, I did start a Flickr group last week. So if you are a member of Flickr, just look for the Quilting for the Rest of Us group. If you're not a member of Flickr, uh, it is actually kind of a cool group to be a part of. So you just go to Flickr.com, that's F-L-I-C-K-R, and sign yourself up for a free account. The sign-up process is very simple. And then you can share your own photos there. You can link up to the group and share photos with the group. Uh, you can leave comments on one another photos, all sorts of stuff. It's a sort of a social networking photo album kind of site. So uh, again, if you're on Flickr, just look for the Quilting for the Rest of Us group. We had, at last time I checked, we had about 12 members, which is fun. And um, every time one of you folks posts pictures up there, I get a little email that tells me they're there and I immediately get to go look, which I love. So thank you so much for that. Do remember that the website for this podcast is www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. There you will see the show notes to each episode. You'll get information on the Creativity Challenge. You'll see the page that's um, for the You Know You're a Quilter When uh, page. Although I think it's just called on the tab, you're a quilter, something like that. I didn't have that much room on the tabs to use the entire phrase. And there's also a page for quilt shops that I have listed, a lot of quilt shops that I have visited, um, mostly bricks and mortar shops, but also some internet. And uh, other folks are leaving comments with shops that they have visited. So it's a great resource for all of you. I'd encourage you to check it out, especially if you're going to be hitting the road and you want to see if there's any quilt shops near you. Again, you can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter at sandyquilts, also Y, also Z. And um, as soon as you follow me, I follow you. So it's a a great turnaround is fair play on that one. And we do have a Facebook page. Uh, If you're on Facebook, just look for Quilting for the Rest of Us and like us. That's fun. Um, I also want to say thank you to all who have been leaving reviews on iTunes. I really appreciate that. It's always fun to read. And, you know, all of us podcasters really appreciate it when you leave uh, preferably positive reviews on our iTunes pages. Uh, So try to be in the habit of doing that. It's helpful. Um, for podcasters because the more reviews you get the higher up in the rankings you show up in the search engine something like that I'm not entirely sure how it works mostly it's helpful for other people that might be looking for a new quilt podcast to pick up if they hear your input about whether you like x or y podcast then it might help them make their decision as well and also, as always, remember to join the Big Tent group. Um, I've lost track. I haven't been paying attention the last few weeks as to uh, how many members we now have in the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup to the Quiltcast supergroup. I know it's well over 100. And um, there's a lot of conversation going on there. So it's a lot of fun. I'd encourage you to join Big Tent if you haven't already. There is a link on the Quiltingfortherestofus.com page. Uh, all you have to do is click on the link and... Um, 
that will get you into the QuiltCast supergroup. And there is sort of a, a mild approval process kind of thing that when you click that, you're not going to be immediately in Big Tent. One of us who's an administrator has to get the notice that somebody has asked for approval and then we go in and approve it. So it sort of depends on who's on there when and how quickly that happens. But I would say it usually happens within a few hours. I don't think it's a long thing at all. And also, you remember, you can subscribe to my free Quilting for the Rest of Us newsletter. The link for that is also on the quiltingfortherestofus.com page. And that newsletter comes out monthly. Right now, it seems to come out about mid-month. Um, but since this is something I just do for fun, it all kind of depends on my schedule. Uh, but the newsletter, again, free. And it has information that's supplemental to the podcast. It may ha- might have some information completely separate from the podcast. I'm kind of thinking that my September issue may be about a topic that I thought I might do as a podcast episode, but I'm thinking maybe it'll be a newsletter exclusive uh, topic. But I will um, kind of make that decision in the next week or so, and I'll let you know when when I've made that decision. So anyway, all of that stuff you can find at quiltingfortherestofus.com. I want to say a huge thanks to both JL and Sherry, who sent me some nice surprises this week. I really appreciated it. Thanks to both of you. Um, And thank you to Emily, Mary, Nancy, and Sherry for emailing me. And most of you sent me pictures, which I always love. You know, all of us, we we just can't wait to see pictures of other people's quilts. It's just, I don't know what, it just gives you a little rush when I open up my email and I see in there that somebody sent me a picture of a quilt. It's always extra fun. Um... I have posted Emily's quilt photo to the Flickr group, and I hopefully will get Nancy's posted this week as well. Unfortunately, Nancy, since you sent me yours while I was kind of in the midst of travels, I wasn't quite on top of it as I was with Emily. So I'll try to make sure I get yours posted as well. Um, Mary commented on international magazines, as I had talked about in my last episode, and she mentioned that she recently attended a quilt show that had old magazines spread out on a table free for the taking. And um, listener Noni had mentioned the same thing to me. So when you're at quilt shows, keep an eye out for those. If you want to pick up some magazines for free or for very, very inexpensive prices, um, or if you're like me and you have quite enough magazines of your own and maybe you're looking for a new home for them once you're done with them, uh, check with your guild and maybe there's ways you can share the wealth as well. So thank you all for your emails. Sandy of Quilt Cabana podcast fame, one of my other fave podcasts, although she's been on vacation all summer, so we are anxiously awaiting a new episode, Sandy, hint, hint. Uh, She posted about episode 19 that she really enjoyed that episode because in 2007 she traveled to Maui. And she found the Maui Quilt Shop, which is in, and I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, I'm sure, Kehei, K-E-H-E-I is the name of the town and the name of the store is the Maui Quilt Shop. And I have to say, I had also found the Maui Quilt Shop online before I left. That was one that I'd hoped to visit because it got very, very high reviews. And Sandy of Quilt Cabana talks about it with glowing terms. So it's a great quilt shop. I just was not able to actually visit it while I was there. Unfortunately, it it wasn't on our route. Um, So if you're also going to go there, make sure you check out the Maui Quilt Shop as well. 
And Sandy has posted a photo on her own blog back last June of a photo quilt she made with her pictures from Hawaii. Um, and that's at quiltcabanapatterns.blogspot.com. And you just need to kind of backtrack. Like I said, she posted it in June. And I had seen it, Sandy, when you posted it. I had noticed it then. Um, but my summer was so busy, I'd kind of forgotten about it. So thank you so much for reminding me because I did immediately go back and look at it again and remembered how much I had liked it the first time I'd seen it. And um Particularly, Sandy did some very nice applique effects in the border, and that was very attractive. I appreciated that, and I'm definitely looking at it for inspiration whenever I finally get around to working with my own Hawaii stuff. On episode 20, I heard from Susan and Noni, Mary Ellen, Jane, and Kay. And rather than, I originally was going to read everybody's comments like I normally do, but so many folks left so much great information and links and other resources and such. I decided you really need to go visit my uh, show notes yourself and read everybody else's comments and just get all that information. That's my favorite thing about being a podcaster, about doing this podcast, is that it enables a community for sharing of information between quilters. And I really think that's been so helpful to me, and I hope it's been helpful to you as well. So do go to quiltingfortherestofus.com and look up episode 19 and episode 20 and look at the comments there, and you'll find all sorts of great information and some links, etc. So thank you to all of you who posted comments. And um, I wish i had had time this week to respond to everybody and I just I didn't because I was out of town however I'm in town now for the next few weeks so things should settle down significantly in my life knock on wood um, on the creativity challenge page Rebecca left a comment um, saying she was a relative newcomer and she's looking forward to more challenges that she can participate in because she thinks she's too late for this one. Please keep them coming. And Rebecca, that's a promise. Like I said, I enjoy doing challenges. I love seeing the responses that people come up with. Uh, whether or not every one of them is a photo challenge like these last two have been, I can't make any promises. I enjoy doing those, but I've got some other ideas brewing in my head. So there will be more challenges coming. Um, never fear. On the shops page on the quiltingfortherestofus.com site, Maureen left a comment about a, a shop that's called The Quilt Merchant in Winfield, Illinois. And she gave some information about The Quilt Merchant. It certainly sounds like a place I would love to visit if I'm ever in Winfield, so it'll definitely be on my list. And she also gave the website address for the shop, too. So make sure you visit the shops page and check out not only Maureen's uh, shop recommendation, but the other ones that have been placed there as well. And on the page, you know you're a quilter when, Rebecca says, you know you are a quilter when your nieces and nephews stop, I'm sorry, (laughs) you know you're a quilter when your nieces and nephews start dropping hints about color schemes as their weddings get closer. Uh, Rebecca, that definitely sounds like there's a backstory there. So, you know, if you ever want to let us know what the backstory is, um, hope all of those nieces and nephews didn't all get married in the same year. I hope you had a little bit of time to uh, work on those quilts. And on the blogger site, Anna, Lynn, and Kim T all left comments. Um, and that's my quilting for the rest of us dot blogspot dot com. 
uh, page, my actual regular blog. And Anna particularly left several comments related to applique. So again, if you're looking for tips on applique, please check out my blog. Um, and again, that's quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. And the link is on the quiltingfortherestofus.com page. So if you only remember one thing, remember quiltingfortherestofus.com. Um, but Anna left a lot of great information, some book recommendations, etc. So again, rather than reading them all out to you here, check out that blogspot.com uh, site and take her advice because she's got some great stuff there. Thank you again so much, Anna and Lynn and Kim for your comments. Now, for the Sandy update, again, haven't been around a whole lot, haven't been able to get a whole lot done, but um, actually a little more than I expected to. First of all, I had mentioned in my last podcast episode that I had taken a vacation day last week. I actually took two vacation days, the first when my son first got home from the hospital, but that one was completely given over to what he needed to have done. The second day, I was able to have a little more time um, just in my sewing room to kind of regroup in between helping him out with things. And the first project I had actually intended to work on last week was the binding on my um, square in a square quilt, which was the topic of episode... Oh, I don't remember now. I think it was episode 17. Uh, It was the one in which we saved a quilt from almost certain destruction. Um, And I had posted photos of that quilt in my blog. And all I have left to do on it is the binding. So last week I um, pulled everything back out and I had set aside some uh, fabric to use for the sash or for the binding. And as I looked at it, I decided ultimately I didn't really like it uh, for the binding. I wanted to use the same fabric I'd used for the sashing strips and unfortunately found that I didn't have enough left. And so I looked in my scrap bin and fortunately I did have... um, a couple of scraps left from the sashing that still had the selvage that had the name of the fabric line on it, which, you know, I should have written down. That's one of those habits I've been a little hit and miss on is tracking my work as I do it. Um, note to everybody, learn from my mistakes. When you are working on a quilt, it's always a good idea to write down what the fabric line is, even if you've got the actual um, item number skew, whatever it's called, uh, because if you run out of fabric, it's a lot faster to find it that way than just trying to walk around quilt shops with the, you know, the fabric in your hand. So anyway, I hadn't done that in this quilt. I had the scrap that had the information, um, did a little bit of Googling that day, and I did find it at one shop. It wasn't easy to find because it's a slightly older fabric, um, not very old, but maybe a year and a half or so ago. And uh, I did find it at one quilt shop, went ahead and ordered. I only needed a yard of it, ordered the yard, got an email the next day that, no, they were actually out of stock. So I had to go back to uh, square one, Google it again. I found it at another quilt shop and ordered it. And I just actually got it in the mail yesterday. So I'm hoping to work on that binding next. But first, I need to polish off these charity quilts. I finished quilt number three this morning. All I had left, I was working on the hand binding, and so um, I sat down and watched a little TV and finished the rest of that hand binding. So quilt number three is now done. I've only got two left to do. Quilt number four has already been quilted. It just needs the binding put on it. And then quilt number five, you know, I've got the backing ready. I just need to quilt it and bind it. So I've actually kind of got a shot at maybe getting them both to the point of um, just needing the hand work done on the binding on the back by the end of this weekend. That's kind of my goal anyway. Although, as is always the case on a long holiday weekend, you know, the family sort of has some ideas about how they'd like me to spend my time too. So (laughs) I'm not entirely sure how much time I'll actually get done at my um, 
or at my sewing machine. And in fact, right now, my husband is picking up my daughter from work, and I have to take her to the mall this afternoon. So I'm trying to finish off this podcast before she actually gets home and showered and dressed and ready to go. Um, A note on the charity quilts. Quilt number four, as I mentioned, is ready for the binding. And guess what? Remember that 198 inches of extra binding I had from the last quilting uh, escapade? I still don't actually have any clue how I managed to do that. But in any case, that was pretty much exactly what I needed for this next quilt. So that was really wonderful. I it turned out I made binding for two quilts at once without even knowing it. Um, color-wise, almost works. <laughs> but you know what? These quilts are um, really kind of atrocious in so many ways anyway, and uh, that's a whole other story, that it doesn't matter so much, um, but it works well enough, so it's not. I'm not adding to the um, atrociousness at all with that binding. So that was helpful. And the only other thing I managed to get done quilty-wise this last week was I finally got enrolled in my classes for the International Quilt Festival in Houston in November. I'm so very excited. I bought my airline tickets a few months ago, but it, it was a while before, you know, we got the class program book and then that I actually had the time to sit down and sort through, you know, the first time you go through the book, you choose 25 different classes you want to go to and that's just not going to happen so I had to go through and and call it out and then see which ones were already closed and then register for the rest and um, I'm very pleased I am mostly doing lectures this year this is my second time at Houston the last time I was there I think I took two classes um, and went to a couple of the luncheons I went with my mom to that one so she helped me that was the first time I'd ever been to a quilt conference in fact so she helped me know how to do it um, and so I'm still hearing her advice in my head this time as I'm registering for different things so I've registered for a couple of the luncheons several of the lectures um, I think I'm only actually registered for one class but I decided I really wanted sort of a broad exposure to a whole lot of different things this time and then I can choose which ones I want to follow up with on my own later. So if any of you are also going to Houston email me and we'll see if there's any way we can figure out a fun time and place to get together and meet each other face to face. I would love doing that. Um, So let me know. I am so excited about going. Okay, that's uh, the extent of the Sandy update. And um, again, thank you to all of the listeners who left comments and emailed me. I always appreciate that. Um, I also want to say thanks to any new listeners. I've uh, heard anecdotally from a few of you who are new listeners. And also I've been watching my episode hits and it is up some. So that's always fun to watch. Um, For those of you who are considering going into the podcasting biz, the one thing you will find quickly is it's actually virtually impossible to know how many people are subscribed to your podcasts because the number, and this is true, I've used several different podcast servers, explored a few different, I've used two, I've explored several, and they all have the same problem. The number that's listed as the subscriber number is not define the way we would define subscribers. Um, it's a whole different computerese thing. So what you have to look at is your episode hits for each episode and then kind of take an average of that. Uh, so mental math here, and we all know how good I am at math <laughs> from the binding incident, but it looks like my numbers are a little bit up. So that's always fun. Thank you so much for that. Um, appreciate it. And make sure you're checking out everybody else's podcasts as well, because there's a lot of really good ones out there. And I've heard from a few folks who are thinking about starting their own. So I'd encourage you to do that too. Okay, let's go to the content of this episode 
in which we get spacey and talking about UFOs. Uh, first of all, again, a little glossary of terms here. UFO is an unfinished object, and usually that refers to something that's actually been sitting around a while that you haven't really been working on for a while, uh, not just something that's an ongoing project. Um, usually in my head, something becomes a UFO if I haven't touched it in, say, maybe six months to a year or longer. Um, if it's only been a few weeks, that to me is still sort of a work in project progress, because sometimes that happens. But a UFO is something that I have set aside and just haven't really been able to get to for a significant period of time. Um, there are some other words for things like work in progress. If you uh, ever see the acronym WIP, that means work in progress. Um, I've also seen WISP or WISP, and that's work in slow progress. Um, there is also the lesser used WIVSP, work in very slow progress, although that would certainly define these charity quilts that I've been working on since March. Um, there's also WIM, which is works hidden in my mind, and PIGS projects in grocery sacks and those are the types of things where you've collected the fabric and maybe if there's interfacing or something or stabilizer or whatever that you need to have go with it and the pattern and you put it all in a bag to kind of create your own little kit um, that's a pig and yeah I've got a few of those on my shelf as well um, I've also seen wombat which is w-o-m-b-a-t waste of money batting and time and I think we've all had some of those. And um, there finally is the WWIT, What Was I Thinking Project. <laughs> so I want to give thanks to uh, Quilting Gallery, which republished something posted originally on the Quilting Cat blog. Although um, I will say I've seen all of those in so many places. I don't know actually where they uh, originated from, but that's where I kind of found the list that I was working off of. Um, so, again, for this episode, I'm generally defining UFO as a project that you've set aside for some period of time. In other words, it's sort of fallen to the wayside, you haven't worked on it for a few weeks or months or decades. Um, in my own life, I've actually managed to whittle down my UFOs significantly over the last couple of years, although I never had a lot. Um, when I first started quilting, it was really a project at a time. I would work through one project start to finish, and I didn't build up UFOs much um, until later on. And uh, with one exception, I had one bed quilt that I started. I had only been quilting for about six months. I took a class that was listed as a beginner class. It was not a beginner class. I found it very frustrating, made all sorts of errors. Um, that quilt didn't actually get finished. Uh, let's see. I made it for my daughter. She was seven when I started it, and I think she was... 14 or 15 when I finally gave it to her so that one took a while but there was sort of external factors at work uh, when I ended up with a whole lot of um, UFOs was really actually fairly recently and it had to do with a lot of life circumstance sort of things but in any case the last couple of years I've managed to whittle those down um, quite a bit and I'm going to talk about how I did that more in a little while um, I I do also sort of mentally include these charity quilts in my UFO discussion because they have been in my life since last March. Um, I'm definitely struggling with the motivation to finish them. Uh, so they do tend to kind of feel to me like UFOs. They, they need, you know, there's something I just need to get done and out of my life. Um, so anyway, back to the discussion about UFOs. The first thing I want to talk about is why deal with your UFOs? 
Um, I have to say, when we cleaned out my mom's uh, sewing studio, and this actually started before she passed away. I've mentioned this before. She had actually thought she might move, downsize the house. So two or three years, well, probably two years before she passed away, I had spent some time with her in her quilting studio, already starting to sort and organize and, and call things out. And one of the things we discovered was how many UFOs she had. And she actually sort of knew. My mom was a fairly organized person, in her head anyway. (laughs) I mean, she was very organized until she became less mobile. She had foot problems and then, you know, some things kind of fell by the wayside. But she sort of knew how many um, UFOs she had, but seeing them all laid out in front of her, I think, was a little overwhelming. So she did offload a couple at that point. Um, But the rest, she still kept saying, well, you know, I could get to those. I could send them out to get them quilted. I could get them done. Um, And needless to say, they did not get done. So when we quilted out cleaned out her studio, I found a lot of UFOs. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute because I had to make some decisions about those. Um, But I remember when I went through that process with her, I just kept swearing to myself, I am never going to let myself get that many UFOs. For this reason, for me, UFOs just feel like they are anvils hanging over my head. Um, I just don't feel complete when I have a lot of loose ends laying around. So really my preferred mode would be to have everything finished. The reality is I don't, you know, I do have UFOs, but I'm making great strides. And in the last couple of years, I've really focused on those UFOs. Uh, The second reason I'm really feeling the need to deal with some of my UFOs, and you may have the same thing, is some of them are gifts that just really, really need to actually be given. Um, You know, I've got a couple of quilts in my UFO stack that I gave as unfinished tops to two of my nieces two years ago, I think, at Christmas. And, you know, it's getting close to the expiration date. I'm sure they've even probably forgotten (laughs) that they have these quilts in the offing. And I just need to get those finished so that hopefully I can give them to them for Christmas this year, finally, um, as the final gift. And so that's another reason to deal with your UFOs is you may have a whole lot of Christmas gifts on your shelf that you don't even remember that you've got there. Um, Another reason to deal with your UFOs is, you know, they are taking up space that could be taken up by something infinitely more exciting, like uh, fabric. <laughs> you know, so get those things off your shelf. Use the space for something more interesting. Um, and finally, another reason to deal with your UFOs, or maybe for me it's just a, a method of thinking about it, is I am big on releasing myself from things. So when I refer in this podcast to dealing with UFOs, I don't always intend that to mean finishing your UFOs. Dealing with a UFO can have a wide variety of meanings, and we're going to be talking about that throughout this podcast. So again, why deal with your UFOs? You get a clean slate. You can tie up all those loose ends. Um, You'll find, you know, if they were intended to be gifts in the first place, you need to actually give them, or you may have stuff that will make perfectly good gifts in the future, and hey, you've already got them half done, you know, so that's a a good jump start. Um, And they're taking up real estate in your sewing area that could be used for other stuff. Okay, how to determine which UFOs are worth finishing. Now that might give you pause, but yeah, not all UFOs are worth finishing. Or, if you'd rather think of it this way, not all UFOs are something that you necessarily have to finish. Let's talk about some categories of UFOs. First of all, there's what I think of as experimental UFOs. These are class projects or things that you were teaching yourself a new technique or a method. Um, 
these are UFOs that were created as part of a learning process. And as such, it's quite possible that even though they are UFOs, um, they may have actually already accomplished their purpose. If you've already learned what you needed to learn, or if you've already experimented with that new technique or method or whatever, maybe you don't actually have to finish that UFO. It might be actually perfectly permissible to tear it up and repurpose the fabric or just toss it out altogether. Remember, it's only fabric. If you had a good time in the class and if you learned the technique that the class was for, the fabric has already paid for itself. Um, You know, I know there's a lot of people who take great pride in being able to repurpose things and use every last scrap of fabric. I'm not one of them. I'm sort of, you know, expediency sometimes is my prime motivating factor. There are times when I am perfectly okay with throwing out fabric or a UFO. If I if it's served its purpose, if I've learned what I needed to learn and it's not something I really envision future hanging on my wall or whatever, I'm okay with throwing it out. Now, the next category of UFOs are the what was I thinking UFO. Um, These are things where maybe color choices suddenly went bad. Um, Something was so terribly wonky, you can't figure out how to fix it. You really just don't want to take the time. You know, again, there are some people, and I admire these people, who will keep reworking something until they get it just right. And yeah, sometimes I do. Again, the quilt in episode 17 or whichever episode it was, I had to keep poking away at parts of that. Um... But you know what, sometimes by the time I go back to a project, it no longer grabs me. I just choose not to spend any more of my precious time on it. I don't have a lot of time available for quilting. And so I want to be doing things that I find enjoyable and fulfilling. And sometimes those, what was I thinking, UFOs, cease to be enjoyable and cease to be fulfilling. Sometimes I'm happier if that UFO is just no longer in my life. Okay, another category of UFOs, and this may actually be kind of two categories combined, but they are related to each other, donated or inherited UFOs. Um, a donated UFO would be one, you know, I think of it as a, someone has donated a UFO to you against your will. <laughs> you know, you didn't invite that UFO into your home. It just suddenly is there. Um, or if somebody tries to sort of guilt you into finishing a UFO, that uh, you just don't have to take it on. Don't complete a quilt because you feel obligated to. First of all, practice saying no. If you are not someone who enjoys finishing other people's quilts, don't let your neighbor guilt don't let your neighbor guilt you into finishing the UFO that she found in her grandmother's attics. You know, it's wonderful that she's got this. And it's wonderful that she wants to see it finished, but you don't necessarily have to be the person to do it just because you happen to know how to quilt. Uh, you can always say, you know what, that's just not really something I do. But maybe if you post a note in the local quilt shop, you can find someone who will like to do it for you, or you can commission someone. You can give that person other ideas. You don't have to just say no and walk away. Give that person other ideas for how they can get that thing finished, but you don't have to take it on yourself. Um, My mother had some blocks of that nature. They were one of her friend's grandmother's blocks or something. I don't remember what the whole story was. And this person had given them to her, wanting them to be put into a quilt top. And my mom had agreed to do it she wasn't really keen on the idea but she felt like you know I should be able to do this and those blocks I just remember they were the biggest headache for her um and I think she finally ended up just giving them back to the person and saying you know as it turns out I can't 
do anything with these because the the blocks themselves were just not in great shape and so it wasn't something she could do she tried doing it she always felt guilty about it and she did end up having to give them back to the person um so i'm learning from that and just saying you know what i'm just going to say no in the first place because that's not something i do if it's something you do love to do and you enjoy doing it go for it but again you know take assess your own willingness and your own enjoyment factor and feel okay about saying no so that's the the kind of donated ufo idea inherited ufos are a little trickier because obviously there's a lot of sentimentality attached there um i have talked about this uh around my mother's ufos before and someone posted in the big tent and i'm sorry i did not go back and check the name of the person uh might have been lauren maybe i'm probably wrong on that i'm sorry uh but somebody had heard one of my references to going through my mom's stuff and inheriting my mom's stash and and had had the same experience i believe it was with her mother-in-law and she was really struggling with the volume of things that she had inherited so you know this is an issue um i did go through all of my mom's ufo's and i had to make some decisions about what i was going to take on and what i was going to release and i had some criteria that i had to um that i used in doing this the first criteria was is it really being close to finished and it wouldn't take me all that long to do and there were several that were right in that category um there were a few that mom had just gotten back um from a long arm quilter she had neuropathy in her feet and it was starting to get into her fingers and she couldn't do the hand uh sewing anymore to put the binding on the back and so she had all of these quilts that she had gotten back from a a long arm quilter and she had not gotten the binding put on them so that that set of quilts was an easy oh yeah i can finish those it's just binding not a problem and so those were the first ones i took i knew that wasn't going to be an issue um then the second criteria was uh anything that i had any sentimental attachment to other than just the fact that mom had made it so in other words this may- meant anything i specifically could remember her working on if i had pictures in my head of my mother with this quilt um if we had talked about it you know if it had been up on her design wall and she and i had talked about it or you know i knew who it was intended for like there's one um blue and yellow quilt that i remember her talking about making a blue and yellow quilt for the the cottage and so i've got that one because i knew okay she wanted this one at the cottage so anything that i had specific memories about i did keep so that was my second criteria and then my third criteria were any that i just really personally liked if i could picture them in my home you know for example or if i looked at one and i thought oh so and so would love that and there's a wedding coming up or there's a birthday coming up or whatever then i i kept those as well so those were my three criteria anything that was pretty close to completion so it wouldn't take me that long to finish anything that i had particular sentimental attachment to you know specific memories about and then any that i personally liked all the rest and there were a lot mom had a lot of ufo's that she had amassed over her 40 some odd years of quilting um i gave to her quilty friends her group of friends had come over we had asked them after my sister and i had gone through and taken the fabric and notions we wanted we invited her friends to come over and and take some things of their own um which they really appreciated and i've seen photos already from some of her friends about fabric uh, quilts that they made specifically from mom's fabrics and a couple of them did take a couple of these ufo's that i had decided not to take um I then also brought some I had several that I had thought originally I might do. This was not a fast decision process by the way. When you're talking about inherited UFOs, you need to give yourself time 
because your initial response is going to be to want to keep all of them. But eventually, six months, nine months down the line, you know, reality starts to set in and you realize maybe that's not as practical as you thought. So some of the quilts that are UFOs that I'd originally taken, um, I did just a couple of months ago take into my guild and I just held them up in front of the guild and said, okay, who wants this one and who wants this one? I think there were three or four of them. And they went very quickly. It was gratifying. Women were very excited about, oh, I love the colors in that one. Oh, I'd love to finish that one. Or I love that's cats. I love cats. And and that made me feel good to know that, you know, this one hadn't really flipped my switch, but somebody else is really excited to get it now. And so that made me feel good on mom's behalf as well. Um, and then finally, there were just a small number left that did end up just getting donated. All of the remainder of my mom's stash and notions and books and a few of these UFOs that um, none of the rest of us kept, I took to, uh, there's a consignment store, or rather a kind of just a shop, a craft shop, um, in one of the suburbs near me that you donate uh, craft items to, and they sell them, and then the money they raise goes towards uh, senior living services in that community. So, you know, I felt good that here, you know, yeah, this is the rest of the stuff of moms that I don't want, but I know it's going to a good cause, so that felt good. So inherited UFOs, again, give yourself time, but have some criteria, because what I knew was if I had kept all of mom's UFOs, and if I had obligated myself to finishing all of mom's UFOs, I'd be spending the next 10 years doing nothing but my mother's UFOs, and I knew mom wouldn't want me to do that, because mom loved the fact that I was a quilter and making my own quilts, and she would have been very unhappy if she felt that I was just giving myself over totally to finishing her UFOs, which, by the way, were UFOs of hers for a reason. (laughs) You know, some of them she had walked away from herself. Um, I'm sure there's some of the ones that I finished that she's kind of scratching her head and saying, why did you finish that one? Um, But, you know, for whatever reason, I liked it or or whatever and did finish them. And I know she appreciates that. Um, And she's okay with the fact that I I gave the rest away. They found good homes. Um, And now I'm able to, I've actually got, I think I've got maybe two of hers left to do. And uh, the rest I finished. And so that felt good. Um, So watch yourself on the inherited UFOs. You do not have to finish every single one to um, honor the memory of the person from whom you got them. Then the final category of UFOs is the perfectly fine UFOs that you're just not interested in anymore. You know what? They happen. It's a perfectly nice project. It's perfectly nice colors. It's a nice technique. You didn't make any major goofs on it. But midway through, you just find yourself bored with it. Maybe you set it aside, come back to it a few months later, and know you're still bored. A year later, know you're still bored. You know, that's okay that's okay. You had fun with it while it lasted. Um, Maybe it's time for it to just move on and find somebody else that would be excited about it. Now, if it's close to completion, to be honest, you may as well just plow through it. You might find yourself getting reinterested again once you're, you know, kind of in the midst of working on it. Maybe you can commission someone else to finish it. Maybe you'll just like having the final product back in your home. But if not, release yourself. Okay, you're going to hear that kind of a common theme in this episode, just release yourself. So let's say now you have um, thought through your UFOs and you have decided that there really are some you you do want to finish. So let's talk a little bit about how to motivate yourself to do that. How do you motivate yourself to deal with your UFOs? Um, Some people really get off on spreadsheets (laughs) and, you know, I've been known to be jazzed by a good spreadsheet myself. Um, lists, 
putting them on index cards, posting them on your bulletin board, whatever methods you have to really track all of your UFOs, it's actually a good place to start. It's a good reality check, I guess, um, for you to take the time to sort through your shelves, pull out every single UFO you actually have on your shelf, and list it. And see where you stand. Maybe you don't have as many as you think you do. Maybe you've got three times as many (laughs) as you're remembering. Um, But that would be a good place to start is just see where you're at. And then, you know, once you know how many UFOs you have, then that's when you start to make the decisions about which ones are worth finishing. And that was the earlier part of this podcast episode. And so once you've made the list, maybe you need to go back and re-listen to that part again to help you make your decisions. Um, At one point... Oh, probably a couple of years ago now, I, I think I tried doing this. I used the index card um, method. I had, I think I've read about it maybe in a in a quilt magazine or on a blog or somewhere, but I listed um, a few UFOs I wanted to finish as well as some new projects I'd wanted to start, you know, things I'd picked out of magazines or whatever. And I put what each one on an index card and I put them on the bulletin board right over my sewing machine in the order that I wanted to do them. And then the idea was every time... I would finish a project, I'd get to take that index card off, and you would kind of have that visual reminder of your progress right in front of you. Well, that worked for me for maybe one and a half index cards, and then I just started ignoring them, and they were collecting get, uh, dust up there. So that that didn't turn out to be a particularly good method for me, but, but you might find it really helpful. So that's one idea, or just to make an Excel spreadsheet or whatever to make a list of your UFOs and, and what plan you have for finishing them. Um, Another way to motivate yourself is to set goals and then reward yourself. So, for example, you might decide, oh, I'm going to buy myself, you know, a yard of new fabric every time I finish a UFO. Or if you've got your UFOs in, you know, big plastic tubs, you might treat yourself to a spa day when you empty an entire container or whatever. You know, you think of whatever rewards are going to motivate you and whatever, you know, however many UFOs you have to finish will kind of judge how many rewards you give yourself. So that's just a way to to kind of keep yourself moving. Um, You may want to set a schedule whereby you say to yourself, okay, I've got to spend one hour a week working on a UFO before I'll allow myself to work on any new projects or or something like that, you know, whatever time frame you want to do. Um, A lot of people find the 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day uh, routine really, really helpful. I have periodically done that in my life where I've committed to spending at least 10 to 15 minutes a day sewing. And you'd be amazed how much you can get done if you stay organized in doing it that short a period of time. However, I found, again, with me, that method didn't work really well because it just started to feel a little bit like homework. (laughs) Like, oh, geez, I got to do my 10 minutes a day. Um, I tend to personally be a little more of an immersion person. I tend to be all or nothing. Um, I need a whole chunk of time to work on something or just not really work on it at all. I sort of do the same thing with my work life. If I have big projects that require a lot of brain power, a lot of creativity, you know, kind of those large picture projects, I prefer to immerse myself in it rather than try to chunk away at it 10 minutes a day. But that's just me. You know, part of this is knowing yourself, knowing what motivates yourself, knowing how you best work. I'm giving you ideas so that you can try a, a variety of things and see what, what works for you. So consider doing that 10 minutes or 15 minutes a day thing or, you know, look at it in more of a chunk of time. If I know I'm going to have five hours on a Saturday, for example, maybe that first hour is going to be a UFO and then the rest of the time I can do whatever I want. Um, 
Another way, and this is what actually worked really well for me, is to uh, create or participate in a UFO challenge. Um, I co-facilitate, for the last two years actually, we've done this, a UFO challenge in our guild. And this, you know, the idea was not original with us. We did sort of create our own based on what we had read, you know, in other guilds doing and et cetera. So our UFO challenge is people sign up. I think we had them sign up in December because the challenge actually started in January and it runs January to December. And your entry fee into the challenge, if you decide to play, is um, a fat quarter. So everybody that participates put in a fat quarter. And then you list the 10 UFOs that you are going to try to finish that year. And then every quarter, so every three months, we would have a checkpoint. And anybody who had had a completion in that quarter would get to put their name in for a drawing. And you put in your name so many times, as many times as completions you have. So if I completed three of my UFOs between January and March, then in March I get to put my name in three times for that drawing. And each quarter, then, we would have a drawing for one fat quarter. And the winner would win that fat quarter. And for that uh, guild meeting, they are declared the UFO queen. And I have a little headband with little googly antennas that they get to wear <laughs> for, the, for the rest of the meeting. Um, and, of course, they get their picture taken, etc. Um, and then at the end of the challenge in December at our um, Christmas banquet, anybody who has finished all 10 UFOs by that meeting gets to put their name in for the drawing for the the final grand prize, which is all of the remainder of the fat quarters. Um, so the first year, I think we had 10 or 12 people participating this year. I think it's pretty close to the same number. Um, so you figure you draw one fat quarter each three months, and at the end, you've still got something like nine or 10 fat quarters that that person wins. And the first year, we had two people who had finished all 10. I was not one of them. I had only gotten to eight. Um, and this year, I think we've got one person who may have already completed all 10. Um, one of the same people who completed all 10 last time. We have another person who's pretty close. A couple others who are certainly within shooting distance of it. Um, I don't know that I'm even close. I'm not sure I'm going to make it again this year. But it still, it keeps you challenged. It keeps you motivated. Um, I've certainly had a lot of quarters where I've gotten to the week before Guild and thought, you know, I got to knock off this one UFO so that I can get my name in there once for that drawing. So I'd really encourage you uh, to to challenge some of your friends, to create a challenge in your Guild, etc. And by the way, if you're interested in that UFO challenge and would like me to send you the um, documentation that we created for it, feel free. Um, I will send that to you. It's a lot of fun to do and I'd encourage you to do it. Uh, the final motivation is, again, just think of your, of how proud of yourself you will feel when you can look around your sewing area and not see all those stacks of folded quilt tops or other UFO projects on your shelves mocking you. You want them done. You want to be able to say, ha ha, I win. Okay, uh, so that's your motivation to deal with your UFOs. Finally, what to do when you just don't want to deal with them at all? You know, it is actually okay to say goodbye (laughs) once in a while. It's sort of like, you know, how sometimes you'll have a best friend when you're like in fifth grade, but by the time you're 25, maybe that friend and you have kind of grown apart. You don't have a lot in common anymore. And although you've got these fond memories of each other, you don't really need to be part of each other's lives anymore. Quilts are much like that. 
really, <laughs> I think we have relationships with them that may be really wonderful for a period of time, but then we move on, they move on, we need to both find greener pastures and, you know, it can be happier with other people. Feel free to release yourself of your UFOs if you need to. Um, you don't need to necessarily finish every project on your shelf. There may be a good reason why that project remained unfinished. Um, if you're the kind of person that absolutely needs to finish everything you started, then you will seriously disagree with me having just said that, and that's okay. Um, I'm all about affirming all of you, and no matter what you're planning on doing, then go ahead and finish them. Just motivate yourself to finish them, because you know what? They're not going to do anybody any good sitting on your shelf another 15 years from now. <laughs> you really, you want that shelf space back. Again, remember, new fabric could be living there. So do motivate yourself to, to deal with them in some way. Dealing with them might be giving it away. Okay, it might be throwing them out. I'm saying that's okay. That may not be reduce, reuse, recycle. I'm sorry. Perhaps rather than throwing them out, you could stuff them into a pillowcase and make a pet bed. That's okay. Whatever you need to do to get it out of your life. You could also consider having a UFO swap with friends or in your guild. You may not be interested in finishing your UFO, but somebody else may have a UFO that really jazzes you and you'd love to be able to play with it. There's also sort of a release of that. If you're working on somebody else's UFO, as long as you're not going to give it back to them. You know, this is, again, if you're just keeping something for yourself, you may feel more free to experiment, to try new things on it, because you don't have the investment of time and fabric in that beginning project, as we do. You know, all of us, I think a lot of our UFOs get because we have great fabric, we have great intentions, and then we get halfway through it, and it's not turning out the way we want it to be, but we're too emotionally invested in the image of what it was supposed to be to be able to release it. If you swap UFOs with somebody else, then you don't have that same investment in that top that's in front of you, and you can finish it off and maybe be more playful with it. So consider doing the UFO swap. I've also seen people sell UFOs online or at guild sales. Um, you may, if if you sell it yourself, you might actually be able to earn a little bit of new fabric money off of it. Um, our guild every year at our retreats has a silent auction that then raises money to go back into uh, guild activities. And um, I have frequently seen UFOs in those uh, sales. And in fact, I had originally thought I might keep some of my mom's UFOs and put them in the sale, but I'm not going to be able to make the fall retreat. And I didn't want these still sitting on my shelf, taking up real estate until next May. So that's why I decided to go ahead and just take them to Guild and give them away. But consider doing that too. Um, just because you're no longer interested in it doesn't mean somebody else wouldn't really get jazzed by it. So do consider selling them, putting them in a Guild sale or doing the swap. You can also donate them. Um, they could become charity quilts. Now, I say this with the caveat, one of my pet peeves, and I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody with this, is people who say, oh, that fabric's really ugly, just donate it for a charity quilt. I'm sorry, if somebody has a charity quilt, they deserve something pretty just as much as the next person. I, I don't like the whole... Um, mindset that if it's a charity quilt, it doesn't have to be pretty. Uh, it can be horrendously ugly, as some of these, unfortunately, charity quilts that I'm now working on are. Um, but that being said, you again, you may have something that either no longer appeals to you, or for some reason, you've kind of gotten mentally stuck on this UFO. It may make a perfectly fine charity quilt. Um, 
you could donate them like I did to the craft consignment shop. Maybe there's a similar kind of organization in your neighborhood that will sell things and the money goes to a good cause. Um, Check around schools or preschools or other places that might repurpose them into art projects or costumes or whatever. You know, you'd be surprised what crafty people, well, you are crafty people, so maybe you won't be surprised. Uh, We have a woman in our church that I'm always amazed at the many things she can do with um, egg cartons and... (laughs) pipe cleaners. It's just, she's one of those crafty sorts of people that I'm not. I'm just a quilter, not a crafty person. So those are some ideas about what to do with your UFOs. I guess what I'm trying to say in this entire episode is deal with your UFOs. Um, You know, again, I helped my mom clean out her sewing room she had a boatload of UFOs that had accumulated over the years for a variety of reasons. And I would prefer not to be at that point. I would prefer not to have my own kids have to deal with my UFOs. I'm sure they'll have some they have to deal with, but I'm really trying to remain committed to um, staying on top of my UFOs, finishing them as much as I can. I'm hoping to have most, if not all of them, done by 2011. Um, My goal is 2010 UFOs, 2011, all sorts of fun new things. That's my goal. So look at your UFOs. Look at how many you've got sitting on your shelves. Assess. List if you think you need to. Measure. Look at how much space they're taking up. You know, actually measure the volume of space and think about how many yards of fabric that could be. And start making a plan. If nothing else, make a plan. Figure out maybe you'll only finish one UFO a year, but that's more than what you would have finished otherwise. So this episode, I'm hoping, will be inspiration and motivation to you and maybe some ideas about how to actually go about doing it. Okay, so um, report in, leave comments on the show notes to this episode about your own UFO experiences. Uh, how do you motivate yourself to do UF, uh, to finish your UFOs? Um, have you gotten rid of UFOs in the past? And if so, how, what kind of mental hoops did you have to go through to give yourself permission to do that? You know, any of your UFO related stories. Um, I love to hear them especially because they make me feel good about mine too. (laughs) It's always nice to know that we're not the only people sitting here with UFOs on our shelves. So until next week's episode, check out your UFOs, remember the Summer Creativity Challenge, and go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 